The scripture for today's sermon is taken from Philippians, the first chapter, verses 21 through 24. That's page 980 in your pew Bibles. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If it is to be this life in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. It's good to see you this morning, especially if you're visiting with us or if you're one of our um, guests. We're really, really glad that you've come to be with us. Gary mentioned just a moment ago about the planning meeting that's coming up this coming Saturday on November 2nd, 9 o'clock here in the auditorium. Um, a little word about that. Our elders for a number of years have always invited um, ideas and suggestions from the congregation about new works that we could be involved in, about things that we could do even better to the glory of God. And in, in conjunction with that, there's a lot of things that they need to communicate to us. And so especially if you are one of our newer members and you're thinking, what in the world is this planning meeting that's not a breakfast, but it's a meeting because we don't have a place to eat. Um, what, what is this? This is for all of us. And I would encourage you to be a, be a part of that. This coming Saturday, nine o'clock a.m., um, there'll be a lot of things that'll be said about what we plan for the year coming up, a lot of time to, to talk and to discuss. And maybe you're here and you've been wondering, well, where, where can I get involved? What, what kinds of works do we have going on that are of interest to me and that I could be a part of? This would be a perfect opportunity for you to come and to have those kinds of conversations. And so please make that a priority in your schedule this coming Saturday, 9 o'clock a.m. here at the building planning meeting. And uh, I know you'll, you'll be blessed by hearing about some of the things that we have going on and seeing where we can all serve the Lord better together. Most people, if you really put a fine point on it, are living without any kind of target in their lives. What I mean by that is we're living without a real sense of purpose. If you had to take your life and boil it down to one thing, if you had to say, this is what I'm all about, this is what defines me, and this is what motivates me, and this is what makes me tick, could you do that? If I were to ask you, tell me what your life is all about, explain it to me, could you do it? And if you could do it, could you do it in a bumper sticker type of statement? The kind of statement that you could fit on a bumper sticker without four paragraphs and thousands of words, could you tell me, this is what my life is all about? Maybe you're not familiar with the name Matthew Emmons. Matthew Emmons is an American athlete that competed in the Olympic Games. And I don't know whether you call this athletics or not, but his event was rifle shooting in the Olympics. And Matthew Emmons was actually a pretty highly decorated Olympian. He'd won gold and he'd won silver. I believe he won bronze as well. In 2004, Matthew Emmons was recognized as one of the best shooters in the entire world. And he went to the Olympic Games in Athens, Greece. 
and he competed in an event called the 50 meter three position small bore rifle competition. And so what Matthew Emmons did, because he was so good, he outpaced the competition by a large margin. And so when it came time for his last round of shooting, he was so far ahead that he was guaranteed to win the gold medal. All he had to do was hit the target. Anywhere on the target would have sufficed as long as the bullet that he fired hit the target in this last round he would win gold, it was assured. And so Matthew Emmons calmly went up to the, the place where he was to shoot and he calmed his breathing and he steadied his rifle and he, he stopped and pulled the trigger. The bullet went right through the target, bullseye. But the bell that sounds to, to, to signal that the target has been hit, the bell never sounded. And he was confused and perplexed for a few minutes, what, or a few moments, what, what the problem, what's the problem? Why, why did I not hear the bell? And then suddenly it dawned on him to his horror, he had aimed at somebody else's target. In all of his excitement, because he was about to win the gold medal, all he had to do was hit the target, he aimed at the wrong one. And he dropped because of that, from first place to eighth, didn't even place in the 2004 Olympics in that event. Question, what are you aiming at? With your life, what are you all about? Because here's how our lives work. You wake up in the morning and you decide through the day who you're gonna talk to. You decide where and how you're gonna spend money. You decide through your day where you're gonna spend your time, what you're gonna do, what you're not gonna do. You decide through your day who you want to associate with and who you don't. And then you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you really don't worry too much on a day-to-day -day basis. Did I hit the target today? Was I aiming at my target? Was I aiming at the things that, that, that are there for me? You don't worry so much about those things, but here's the problem with life. Life is just an accumulation of all the days that we live, isn't it? It's just a sum total of the moments in our lives that we choose what we're going to do. And so, even though I might lay down tonight and not really worry too much about whether I've hit the target, if I do that enough, over and over and over, I might stand before my God one day and find I've missed the target altogether, the big target. What's the big picture for your life? If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Philippians chapter one if they're not already there. And Paul talked about the big picture for his life. And I want you to think about this this morning. We ought to as Christians have a sense of having a goal, of having a plan, of having a vision. This is what my life is all about. And I would suggest humbly that maybe our vision for what our lives are all about ought to come out of the Bible. Maybe the things that we say, this is what I'm all about, ought to come out of God's Word. Doesn't that make sense? If I live according to the Word of God, if God's Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, then my vision, my target, what I'm aiming at with my life really ought to come out of the Word of God. When you look at Philippians 1 verse 21, the Apostle Paul says this, For to me, 
To live is Christ, to die is gain. A lot of people, if you ask them, what's your favorite verse in the entire Bible, will cite that particular verse, Philippians 1.21. They'll say, I love that verse because it's so succinct. And you know what the verse does? It encapsulate, encapsulates one thing that we want to do. Paul says for, to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I want us to spend just a few moments this morning thinking about that statement and the facts and the details that surround it as we think about living and dying with Jesus Christ. When we become Christians, when we follow Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything about all of our lives. And so we can make some statements like these. Number one, we can make the following statement about life. As you look at Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul says, for to me to live is Christ. You know, some people look at being a Christian like going to the cafeteria. And if you've ever gone to the cafeteria and you've got a lot of options of different kinds of foods that you want to eat, you go down through the line and you're kind of looking ahead and seeing what's there, what's available, what sounds good to me. Give me a little bit of this. Give me a little bit of that. And some people look at being a Christian as this is just one more thing to add to my plate. I've got a lot in my life. I've got a lot on my plate. Christianity, being a Christian and a follower of Jesus, yes, that's one of the things I do, but that's not really everything that I do. And what I want you to hear this morning is this. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ. That's everything I'm about. That's all I'm about. He's in a Roman prison chained to a guard and he's writing these words and he's thinking about whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. He's going to go stand before the emperor because he had appealed to Caesar, remember? And the emperor was going to give thumbs up or thumbs down after he heard Paul's case. That's what happened. You either are released, you live, or you get thumbs down, you die. And Paul's wondering about what is best in this particular situation. And he says, if I get thumbs up, if the emperor says, you live, Paul, for to me to live is Christ. When you read about Paul's desires and Paul's wishes and his hopes and his dreams for the future, it's important to think about what he wanted out of life. Here's what he says he wanted more than anything else. Philippians 3 verse 9, I want to be found in Christ. More than anything else, that's what I want. I want to live my life in such a way that I can be found to be in Christ. Is there evidence in your life that you are in Christ? If so, what is that evidence? Paul wanted to live in such a way that in everything he did, he would magnify Christ. That's not always an easy thing to do. To magnify Christ means that I live in such a way that he increases and I decrease. John chapter 3 verse 30. That I live in such a way that people see more and more of him in me. His attitudes, his personality, his hopes, his desires, those things are magnified in the way that I live. In Philippians 1 verse 23, what do you want more than anything, Paul? To depart and to be with Christ, he says, is far better. Can I say that those are the things that I am really motivated by? You know, a lot of people are really good people. 
and, and they love others and they have a good optimistic viewpoint on the future and they think about all kinds of good things and they're very helpful in the way that they treat others, but their lives are not about Christ. Their lives are about something else. For to me to live, they might say, is my family. It's all about my family. For to me to live is to help others and to serve others, but it's really not about Jesus. It's about just doing the things that I think are positive. For to me to live is to increase my wealth and opportunity. Paul didn't say any of those things. He said, all I want out of life is I want to be found in Christ. I want to magnify him. I want to be with him. And as you think about all of that, for to me to live as Christ, Jesus must be the very essence of our lives. It's not a cafeteria approach that's going to work. If I'm going to say for to me to live as Christ, he is the very essence of my life. In Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You think about that. Paul was saying, I want to live in such a way that if Jesus possessed my body, if he were in my shoes, I would reflect his words. I would treat people the way he would treat them. I would be kind. I would be convicted. I would be the kind of teacher and the kind of compassionate Lord that he is. If he were in my shoes, Christ lives in me. He's the essence of our lives. Not only that, he is the model for our lives. He left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. We look at where he's gone, we follow in his example. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. The book of Philippians tells us that we are to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. He is to be the very model of our lives. And not only that, he is the reward of our lives. What do you want out of life? What are you really looking for? What are you hoping for? Colossians 1 verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. John 14 verses one through three, Jesus promised, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Christ, the reward of our lives. For to me to live is Christ. It's saying that he is everything I'm about. When it comes to being a parent, for to me to live is Christ. When it comes to being a husband and father, for to me to live is Christ. When it comes to being a teacher or a pupil, when it comes to being an employer or an employee, for to me to live is Christ. In every situation and every facet of life, it's all about him. And my life is all about him. We need to have that kind of perspective as the people of God. Secondly, look at Philippians 1 verse 21 and what does Paul say? Not only does he make a statement about life, but he makes a statement about death, doesn't he? I know it's scary Halloween time and people like sometimes to watch those movies. And have you ever stopped to think about when it comes to the scary movies? They're all variations on a theme to some degree. But really, just about the worst thing that most people can imagine is dying. If you really put a fine point on it, just about the worst thing that most people can imagine is to die. And when you look at what Paul says, it flies in the face of everything that the world tells us about dying. In Philippians 1 verse 21, he says to die would be what? It would be gain. 
He doesn't say it'd be a terrible loss if I died. He doesn't say this is the worst thing I can conceive of. He says for me to die as a Christian is gain. In Psalm 116, verse 15, the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In Revelation 14, verse 13, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. The Bible makes promises that for those who serve Jesus Christ, who are faithful and loyal to him, that to die is actually a gain. For a Christian, death means the following. It means the end of temptation and sin. Think about it. Every single day we live in this world, we're faced with temptation. Every single day in this world, we're faced with choices. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve myself? Am I going to be loyal to Jesus Christ or am I going to do what feels good and seems right to me? Every day we live in this world, we're faced with those challenges. The Bible says about Jesus in Romans chapter 6 verse 10 that the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. The idea is that when death came, that temptation no longer had any kind of influence on our Lord. And the same thing is true of us. It's the end of temptation. Not only that, what is death for a Christian? It is an end to the cares of this life. Mark chapter 4 verse 19 speaks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Job chapter 14 verse 1, Job said, the days of men are short, life is short, and it is full of trouble, he said. Cares, worries, anxieties, they weigh on us. They keep us awake at night. They cause us to think about all the what ifs and the scenarios of what might happen that's terrible in our lives. But death is an end to those things for a Christian. And so in that sense, to die is gain. What is death for a Christian? It's an end to every trouble. Poverty, sickness, disease, conflict, you name the trouble, death is an end to those things. Jesus told a story about a rich man and a poor man and he said the poor man, Lazarus, when he died, he was carried by angels to the side of Abraham. Luke chapter 16, verse 22. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation 21 verse 4. For Christians, death is nothing more than a departure. If you're looking at Philippians 1 verse 22, to depart and to be with Christ. If I stay in the flesh, that's one thing. But if I depart, that's what I'm going to do. James chapter 2 verse 26 tells us that when someone passes away that their spirit leaves their body. That's what's taking place. And so while the body remains, the spirit goes somewhere else. The body without the spirit is dead, James 2 verse 26. The idea here is that Paul could talk about death and he could say, because of my life with Christ, my life in Christ, because for me to live is Christ, to die therefore is actually it's gain. And then there's this statement. Look on in the passage. If you're looking at Philippians 1, verses 21 and following, notice that Paul, when he's faced with the choice, which is better? Is it better for me to stay in this world and to serve God, or is it better for me to depart? Which, which is it? 
Paul expresses a longing to depart. Does that mean he had a death wish? No. Not in the sense that most people mean it. But Paul said, for me to die, to depart, that's what I'd prefer. Look at this in verse 22, Philippians chapter 1. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. In other words, if the choice was Paul's, and by the way, it wasn't. It wasn't Paul's choice. He didn't have the choice of whether he was going to live or whether he was going to die. That was the emperor's choice. That was somebody else's. But if it was in his hands, he says, I don't know which one I would choose. He goes on to say in verse 23, I am hard pressed between the two. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So if I, if I live, here's what's going to happen. Verse 22, I'm going to have fruitful labor. I'm going to bear fruit if I stay in this world. But if I depart and to be with Christ, look at verse 23 and think about this for just a minute. Paul says, if I die to depart, to be with Christ, it's not just a little bit better. It's not just, you know, okay, on the scale, 51%, 49%. He says to depart and to be with Christ is far better. The worst thing most people can imagine is dying. And Paul looks at dying as a Christian and he says, it's far better because when I depart, I'm going to be with Christ. What are you aiming at with your life? What are you all about? What is it that really motivates you and makes you tick? Because Paul could say, while I'm here in this world, it's all about Jesus. It's all about living with him. It's all about living for him. It's all about Christ living in me. But if I depart and I go to be, if I, I depart this life, I leave this life, I go to be with Christ and that's far better than anything this world has to offer. I had a relative years ago who's since gone on to be with the Lord. Relative used to say, with a smile on his face. You know, heaven's my home, but I'm really not homesick. I understand that sentiment, I really do. But shouldn't there be some part of us that is? Shouldn't there be some part of us that says it really would be far better to depart? That's not saying that we wish for death and long for death, but what Paul is longing for He's saying, if I had the choice between the two, I know which one I'd pick. It's about being a Christian. It's about trusting in the hope and the promises that are found in the Bible. You know, Shakespeare wrote about this very thing. The famous speech that Hamlet gives, to be or not to be, that is the question. He's arguing, he's thinking about actually committing suicide in that play in Hamlet. He's thinking about, should I take my life or not? And Hamlet, what stopped him, if you've read that speech, that's, that's soliloquy, to be or not to be, that is the question. You know what stopped him? He calls death the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. He says, a bunch of people have gone there, they've departed, 
and I don't know what they've seen. I don't know what they're experiencing. I don't know what's going to happen when I close my eyes eternally. I don't know what's going to happen when I leave this world. And so he decides it's probably better to go ahead and stay in this life because, well, at least I know the troubles I've got here. And, and the troubles that might be over there, they might be way worse than what I've got here. And so better to stay in this life. And what he's doing is really describing the human condition. What happens when you die? If you believe the promises of Scripture, if you put your faith in what God has said, then to depart and to be with Christ is far better, brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible says. I was doing some research in my office recently because we've had a number of funerals this year here at Katy. A number of sweet saints that we have loved, that we miss, have gone on. And I was trying to do just kind of a, a list of how many and, and who. And I thought about these statements and these words that Paul makes, that he says, to depart and to be with Christ is far better. If we believe what the Bible teaches about faithful New Testament Christians, then where they are, brothers and sisters and friends, is far better. Something to think about. But then there's this, as you look at Philippians chapter one, verses 21 and following, Paul expresses a willingness to remain. And that's what's really astounding to me. He's showing humility, he's showing Christ-likeness, he's showing that he loves people. He says in verse 22, my reasons to remain are these. Number one, that I'm gonna bear fruit in my labor. That's what Paul wanted. I wanna bear fruit to God. What's your target? What are you aiming at? What are you looking for with your life? Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ. What does that look like, Paul, for you to live as Christ? It means bearing fruit in his service. It means making people more like him. By the way, that's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is found in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You know what Jesus said? He said, go into all the world. He said, make disciples of all the nations. What's the church all about? It's about Christ. It's about making disciples of Christ, bearing fruit to him. That's what we're all about. And so, bearing fruit. Paul says, there's going to be some good things if I remain. I can bear fruit to the Lord. Helping people's faith progress. Look at verse 24. He says, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, writing to his brethren, being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. I want to stay and I want to help you to grow some more in the Lord. Paul had a lot of knowledge. He had a lot of information. And he had a heart to help people to know the Lord better. He wanted to bring people joy in the faith. He wanted them to know that life with Christ is not just a cafeteria. I'm gonna take a little bit of Jesus and I'm gonna put him on about a third of my plate and that's gonna be all I give him. No, it's about following him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's about loving him. And Paul wanted people to hear that and to know that. And then he wanted to bring glory to Christ Jesus because Paul envisioned this in verse 26. When one day those Philippians were gathering together for worship and all of a sudden over the hill, here comes the apostle Paul who they've been praying for and they've been longing for and they've been writing letters to back and forth. When Paul finally comes over the hill, guess what those Philippians are gonna do? 
they're going to run and they're going to hug his neck and they're going to give thanks and they're going to give praise and they're going to give glory to Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I want to stay just for moments like that where they give thanks to God for his wonderful blessings and his providence in caring for all of us. Can I just make this point to you? When Paul was listing reasons why he wanted to stay in this world, he didn't say, like the songwriter, and I'm not knocking the song, he didn't say, I'd like to stay here longer than man's allotted days and watch the fleeting changes of life's uneven ways. Paul didn't say, I want to see the changes that life brings. I want to see new technology. I want to see the new iPhone. I want to see what that's all about. I'd like to see the new Star Wars that's coming out in December. I want to know how it all ends, how it all wraps up. Paul didn't say any of that. I want to see if the Astros win the World Series. Paul didn't say, that's why I want to stay. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I want to stay and see if I can climb to the top of the corporate ladder. I want to see how high I can climb, and I want to see how much power and wealth I can, I can accumulate for myself. He didn't say that. When he thought about staying in this world, Paul didn't say, I want to see how many toys I can collect, how much stuff I can possess. I want to see if I can reach my goal of owning XYZ model of car or a house in a certain neighborhood. He didn't say any of those things. The only, only, only reason why Paul said he wanted to stay in this world was this, because of people. Because of the people that he could help to be more like Christ. That was it. That was the only reason. Fruit from my labor, bringing joy to people in their faith, and the rejoicing that would happen if we were reunited with one another. Those were his reasons for staying. And I would suggest to you this morning that if we think about living and dying, I would suggest to you that all those other things, those really pale in comparison to the idea, I'm here for people. You're here for people. You're here to make connections with people to the glory of God. And when it comes to what am I aiming for and what is my target in my life, for to me to live as Christ, to die would be gain, those things are true. And the reason why I would stay in this world, Paul says, is because I can help people to glorify God. That's all I want to be about. You know, everything Jesus ever did was to help people go to heaven one day. He said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19, verse 10. I came to save people from their sins, Matthew 1, verse 21. Jesus came to help people go to heaven one day. If Christ lives in me, Shouldn't that really be my goal, my target, my aim? And so as I think about my day and as you think about your day and the thousand little decisions that we make that all accumulate to end in whether or not we've actually hit the target, I need to start making decisions based on this question. Am I doing what Jesus wants me to do in this situation? Am I helping and blessing other people to the glory of God in this circumstance? Am I showing by the way that I live that for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? It's about our purpose. It's about our focus. It's about our target. Get your songbooks and open to the song that Larry announced just a few moments ago. If you're living without Jesus Christ this morning, you need to know him.
He is the only one that's worth knowing. And knowing Jesus Christ means that you listen to his words and that you obey from the heart his commandments. You do what he says. Put your trust and your hope in his promises that he's made to you. Believe that he is God's son. Confess his name. Repent of your sin. Be baptized, be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. The Bible teaches that when someone is baptized, they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, not before. It's at that moment when we are immersed that we're buried with Christ. It's that moment when we come up out of the water that we are raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus calls baptism the new birth. We're being born again. Put your faith in Christ. Repent and be baptized. If we can help you do that this morning, if you need to respond and ask for prayers, heaven's invitation is yours while we stand and sing. Kneel at the cross, Christ.